We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to another episode of Her Hoop Sets Unplugged. Happy Friday. Happy day after WNBA draft day. Super excited to talk about last night's draft and everything that happened. I'm here tonight, well, Thursday night we're recording this with Aaron Barzilai from our Her Hoop Sets team. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? I am doing well. How are you doing, Megan? Doing good. Happy draft night. So, uh, yeah, it's a great uh draft night and uh you know really happy to be here super exciting i want to say happy birthday to vicky johnson and uh congratulations to uh, her and the dallas wings on an amazing night yeah definitely a huge night for the dallas wings even before we get into the the nitty-gritty of it i was just reflecting today because you know everything's virtual this year right but in like 2019 i had the opportunity to be at like all the biggest or women's basketball events I covered the national championship game with you I was at the WNBA finals game five in DC and then I was at the WNBA draft and I feel like the WNBA draft is just my favorite event to cover it's just so fun to watch these players dreams kind of come true on that stage so it's just just such a fun night of the year yeah, it's a fun night. Everyone's buzzing. I mean, we've got 36 new future all-stars uh, for the league. And, uh, you know, ESPN did a great job covering it. Uh, you know, even it seemed like they ran long, right? I think they went over their 7-9 and nine slot by a few minutes. So I think that we often complain about the lack of uh, coverage they get. Uh, but clearly they were uh, prioritizing it tonight. And, you know, you could totally see uh, a ton of buzz, I think, everywhere uh, about uh, the news, you know, from Shams breaking the Charlie Collier news, NBA uh, reporter extraordinaire, Sean Estrania, to, uh, you know, I saw Luka Doncic uh, tweeting about the pick of uh, Charlie Collier as well. So, um, yeah, just 
just very exciting. And, you know, we're feeling the excitement for the uh, upcoming season. And uh, hopefully that's an indicator that the rest of the world is too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm definitely starting to get excited. We're about a month out from the start of the season because we do officially have a schedule now too. So that's exciting. Actually, almost exactly a month. It's a one it is less than, than 30 <laughs> i think it's 29 days today it must be 29 days uh yeah. today because it starts on a friday and we're recording this on thursday night uh right after the draft yeah i'm excited i think we could all everyone working uh in women's basketball uh could use this break uh uh before things pick up again i believe training camp starts on the 25th though which is not that far along and you know we're working really hard here at her stats to add more uh, tools to our stat site, uh, getting a gratuitous plug for herhoopstats.com. Uh, hopefully all of you, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do use the site already, but if not, please, uh, check it out. And we're working to try and add new features. We think people are going to be really excited about. So, uh, you know, some days, uh, you know, less than a month is seems like a long time, but in some, <laughs> I could use a little more time to add even more features, but can't wait for the season to start. And then it's just going to be nonstop with the season and the, uh, the Olympics in there. Yeah, Olympic break too. So lots to look forward to this summer in terms of women's basketball. But we're going to cover mostly the draft for tonight. So I guess we should just start it off at the top. The Dallas Wings have the first two picks. No surprise here, but Charlie Collier gets drafted number one overall out of Texas. So she'll stay in Texas heading heading to the Wings. So um, that was exciting. I also am personally awarding Charlie Collier the best dressed of the night too. So just number one pick and number one best dressed team. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So how far do your, uh, best dress ratings go? If you've got Charlie Collier, number one, how far down uh, can you go past that tonight? Yeah, I feel like I don't go that far past it. I mean, I thought last year's draft class, just the draft fashion was better in my opinion, but Erin McDonald at number, number three overall pick, but her shoes were, Fantastic. She has some great red bottoms on. So shout out to those. And then also, so yeah, and then the second overall pick with a walk queer from from Finland, um, her jumpsuit was fire as well. So obviously the actually the three best picks overall, or the three number the top three picks overall, also probably three of the best on the, the fashion game for me tonight. <laughs> Nice. And can you rate uh, grandmother fashion and dancing as well? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Michaela Audiowire's grandma just deserves a shout out on top of this as well. Honestly, stole the show a little bit on the draft. <laughs> <laughs> one of one. That's all we need to know. That's it. Yes. That's the list, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I guess my, uh, I failed as a mock drafter, uh, this while well, we recorded, I guess this past weekend, uh, cause I did not pick, uh, Charlie Collier, uh, <laughs> number one, but, uh, did get queer and, uh, yeah. Right. I mean, I think that it's a great narrative and, you know, obviously she's talent. Um, I forget, I think she was, was she the second ranked or was she the first ranked prospect when she entered college, but she was, I know she was one of those. I it's slipping my mind. I think she was the second ranked because Kristen That's Williams was the first in that class. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, impressed you could remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, um, yeah, right. So she's talent. You know, it's going to be great to have her in the front court. And I mean, with all these picks, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what uh, Dallas can, t- can do, right? And they have Alicia Gray back. So they signed, uh, re-signed her in the offseason. And so... 
you know, I saw a quote as, you know, I don't know how much we're going to monitor Twitter as we're recording, probably shouldn't do that. But uh, right before we hopped on, I saw Greg, Piv, Greg Bibb was talking about, um, you know, we're not going to be talking about youth and experience anymore. We're going to be, you know, there's no excuses. It's time to get after it. I, that's not a quote, but, you know, there's no excuses. And, uh, you know, it's really time to, uh, you know, make our push, make our move. And, you know, not only did they have a lot of picks, right, but they, um, you know, did really well. I know that you were really excited, not just at the top, but also uh, right with Dungey at number five and then Evans uh, falling to them at 13. Yeah, I mean, I really don't think this draft could have gone any better for Dallas with their top two picks. I mean, as expected, but then they take Chelsea Dungey at number five out of Arkansas, who's a great prospect, a great shooter. And then you think they're looking for a point guard. They don't really pick that in the first round, but then they are able to pick up Dana Evans in the second round, which is just, I mean, it's not my steal of the draft. We'll get to that in a little bit, but it's a huge steal for them to be able to pick up Dana Evans at 13. This draft just really could not have gotten any better for Dallas, I think. Yeah. I mean, they've got sort of the challenge, the embarrassment of riches really uh, at some level. And that now they have a ton of uh, tough decisions to make uh, heading into, well, by the end of the, uh, by the end of training camp and into the start of the season. Right. So they have, you know, all these picks, they uh, look, I'm going to pull up our um, salary cap sheet on our site for them. And, uh, you know, they had already six players that were uh, under contract, unprotected, uh, you know, all of their young talent. And so um, it's a real challenge, I think, to fit everybody in uh, that they drafted. Right. I mean, hope maybe for them, Kuyer will stay over in uh, Europe and then so then they'll only try and bring over three people. But, you know, it's going to be tough for, you know, folks like uh, Megan Gustafson in particular um, to stay on this roster with the sort of the young talent that they're presumably going to keep. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be a theme we see throughout mm-hmm. the league this year. It's just there's already so much talent, and then these teams that are adding, you know, first round talent that is just still going to have a challenge making a roster, let alone second round talent. I think Connecticut is in a unique situation. We were talking about steals of the draft, so I'm just going to jump there. But they pick up Dijanette Carrington at number 20, and they actually have cap space. So she's in a really good spot to meet to make a roster, and I think just a steal for Connecticut to be able to get a player of that caliber at 20th in this draft. I think she's someone that could have gone in the first round, and they get her at 20th. So a huge pickup there. But I think really across the league we're going to see situations where it's going to be hard for first-round talent even to make these rosters yeah yeah um i think that uh there's gonna be some real battles and uh it will be just fascinating to see how the teams manage them all no question about it for sure for sure so should we keep going with with the lottery picks obviously we talked about collier and claire from for Dallas, but then at number three, I think this was kind of the first surprise of the draft. I mean, everyone knew that Ari McDonald's stock rose during the NCAA tournament. I don't know if anyone thought it was going to rise to the number three overall pick. So the Atlanta Dream take her at number three. I'm just so excited for that Dream backcourt. It's going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah, they're going to be a ton of fun to watch. And uh, yeah, I'm always... uh... It's certainly, I think, higher than we expected. I think part of it also is, is it's an indicator, I think, that, you know, as a league or as a women's basketball community, you know, we don't have super accurate mock drafts, right? I think that teams are able to 
uh, play close to the vest a little more than in, say, the WNBA. I mean, in the NBA, where people, um, you know, very often have a pretty good sense about who the, you know, the lottery picks are going to be or whatever. And so, yeah, this was a surprise to me. You know me. I try to uh, be pretty cautious about changing my uh, assessment of players and teams off of a single game or, or two. Um, but I mean, what a what a few games she had in the tournament. And so clearly it was enough to impress them, uh, to pre- impress the uh, the folks there at the dream. I mean, obviously, she's incredibly quick and explosive, um, you know, all kinds of poise. Uh, you know, she's remarkable with her steal numbers uh, in the NCAA as well. And so um, you know, clearly they are not too worried about her size, I guess. And, uh, you know, think she's going to have a chance to be part of a, a you know, pretty dynamic, uh, team, you know, especially backcourt with her and Kennedy Carter, right? Yeah. I really think that her defense is probably what got her to this position. Like, I think a lot of us are going to look at it and be like, oh yeah, her NCAA performance boosted her. But I think, you know, all these teams have had her on their radar, right? And, Maybe she yeah. hasn't been on the national radar as much because of playing in the Pac-12 and they don't get that many nationally televised games. But I have a feeling that she's been maybe a little higher on WNBA draft boards than people expected to start off. Just because her defensive talent is something that you just don't see, I think, in a lot of players. And one of the harder things to learn, right? I think you can. we've seen players that get to the league and they can improve their shooting, but just that the defensive energy that Ari McDonald brings is kind of unique. And I think we've also seen yes. that players at her size in the last few seasons have been able to excel. So I think that's become less of an issue, the fact that she's mm-hmm. smaller. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely think things are trending that way. I'm also particularly interested in her case to see. I think she really burst onto the scene right her sophomore year because she took on such a big role for um, Arizona. And she's had an incredibly large role for them the past two seasons and so um you know as talented as she's been she hasn't been like i, I want to make sure i don't speak out of turn here so like pull up her stats but uh, i remember being struck that like you know you we didn't really see the uh progression in terms of her like scoring efficiency like her effective field goal percentage actually um dropped this past season points per scoring attempt um so as talented as she is she has been ridiculously high volume and as a result of taking so many shots i mean think about that very last shot she took in her ncaa career right uh which was uh you know like all the shots she took but nevertheless i mean super high degree of difficulty i think being uh ari mcdonald at arizona and so it's gonna be really interesting to see her now in a different uh setting when there's so much talent you know in the WNBA, and particularly with uh kennedy carter also being an incredibly high volume uh player historically that um you know as a result it should help both of them kind of be able to pass up uh, or not be forced to take uh you know as many bad shots and uh you know their efficient both of their efficiencies could rise yeah for sure and i just think that that dream backcourt now is going to be so much fun to watch i mean you've got Ari mcdonald Kennedy Carter and then Courtney Williams as well in that trade from Connecticut to Atlanta mm. last season. So it's just a young backcourt, but a fun backcourt to watch. I'm, I'm really excited for that heading into the season. Yes, yes. Yeah, and then after Aaron McDonald with the fourth pick of the draft, the last lottery pick, I think this is the, the probably the biggest, one of the biggest surprises of the night, the, the fever take Kaiser... Gondrasek at from West Virginia at number four. Probably not a player that anyone had in the draft lottery. I don't think anyone in her her hoop says draft challenge had her in that that top four spot. So a, a real shocker there coming in at the number four pick for the Fever. 
yeah, Kaiser Gondra's ex- clearly a, a surprise. And I always think it's fascinating in this kind of a, a situation. Again, I don't think we understand exactly how likely people thought that she was going to be inside the league, that she was going to be picked uh, this high. You know, presumably Indiana uh, did their homework, tried to uh, figure out whether they needed to take her um, this early or not. I mean, I'm a firm believer that if you, um, you know, really like a player, you shouldn't kind of wait and say, oh, we love this player at 10 or we love this player at 12. Like if you love the player and you you shouldn't mess around, right? If she's the player you want. Um, I think that, you know, it's nice to get a little fancy and trade back uh, if you can sort of pick up an extra pick and still get the player you want. And everyone always says that they've done that successfully um, after they uh, try and execute that move. But uh, yeah, no, definitely a surprise. And um, you know, it'll, it'll be fascinating to see whether or not it pays off. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like on that note, you kind of see maybe even tonight that backfiring. I think a lot of the rumors around when L.A. made the trade with Dallas today to get that number seven pick is that they wanted Michaela Anwari at that that number seven spot. But New York takes her at number six, so they, they don't get that pick with the number seven. So that, I thought that was interesting, too. And yeah, you, like you said, you never really know if you really like a player, you got to take them as early as possible. Yeah, I think the thing to me about that trade, my personal opinion, most notably, was I was really surprised they executed it yesterday instead of like after the sixth pick was made, right? Um, Then you could say, oh, well, our player's not on the board. We're not going to make the trade Um, or they can. I mean, presumably Dallas was considering other offers and they said, we want to make this trade now. Um, And if they had enough leverage and felt like they could get another good pick, then, um, you know, that sort of forces la hands but la's hands but hopefully for their sake um you know that it didn't back play out the way they wanted and uh, like i said i haven't heard i didn't get a chance to hop on the, the zoom press conference afterward but i am sure they are singing the praises and talking about how walker and watts were the two players that they were targeting yeah and i mean jasmine walker is still a great pickup on number seven. Oh yeah and we can get to the watts at number 10 that was a i think another big surprise but Going back to that number six pick, too, I thought that was a great pickup for New York and getting Michaela Anuary. I think anyone that listens to this podcast knows that I'm a, a huge fan of her game. So really excited to go see her go in that, that first half of the first round here and for New York to pick her up. How much do you think you would love her if she had gone to UConn? <laughs> I don't even know because I love her game. And actually, I saw Alex Pizzell, <laughs> the Fisa Collier's uh, has, or fiance, but also a WNBA trainer, tweeted today about how her game is right. so similar to Collier's. And I was like, oh, this makes sense why I love Collier's mm-hmm. game so much. But in a way, it is very similar. Mm-hmm. She's just such a versatile player like Collier is. And I think I just really like to see that on the court so someone that just has a kind of wide range of skills but I'm, I'm excited that she's going to be in new york which for me at least is a, is a short drive from from home so i'm excited to watch her play at barclays this summer exactly a train ride um so uh, for me so we can meet up there maybe and uh yeah so, right collier went sixth right to the links that's when she was uh rookie of the year so good spot she'll have a uh Pac-12 point guard, right, uh, playing with her for the Liberty. Yes. So that might work out pretty well, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, New York is still going to be really young, but they've made some good acquisitions, I think, in the offseason. And I'm excited to see what they look like this year. And, I mean, their draft as a whole I thought was really good. They add Anuari at six, and then they add Dee Richards in the second round, which I thought was a, a really solid second-round pickup for them 
as well, a player that could have potentially gone in the first round or even early second round. She falls a little bit, goes to New York. So I think, you know, two. I'm interested to see how Richard's game translates at the next level. I think, you know, she played that point guard position for Baylor this year, not necessarily her most natural position, but just a really solid defensive player. And I think two really solid pickups for New York too today. Yeah, I got to say, I'm not quite as sold on Richards. Uh, I want to see her. I mean, she's a second round pick, right? It's a Liberty Arn, exactly. Mortgaging their future to acquire her. But uh, right, I mean, she, I don't, I forget, did she take one three this uh, in her college career? Is that right? Or was that just this season? Um, So it's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah. So yeah, no, she took one her freshman year uh, and missed it. And that's it. And so, like, I mean, she's obviously incredibly talented, right? And, And like deserves to be. Uh, drafted and you know so crucial to Baylor but I am going to be fascinated to like she's going to be a really interesting experiment to watch you know will she make the liberty and then um, you know if she can what kind of a role will she have and then I think right ultimately can she um, you know really expand her game so that she can shoot more um, you know down the line I don't think you know I'm sure they didn't draft her for shooting this year but you know 12-ish yeah I guess 12-13 months from now like what could she do next year yeah, exactly. I think it's going to be a bit of an investment, but I think that she has some skills that are really valuable. And I, the mm-hmm. Liberty, especially with the amount of youth on that roster still, she's got a decent chance of making it this year. And then, you know, we see where you go from there. But I think you know, when you look at these rosters, especially in New York and Dallas, there's just so much youth. So I think some of these players have a, a decent chance at, at getting a spot just because you're competing with talent that's at a similar age in the league. Yeah, yeah. Although I will say the Liberty, right, you know, we've got our capture, right? They have 13 people on the roster, right? That includes like right. Honshu, like Asia Durr, right? Didn't get to play last year because of her uh, COVID situation. So hopefully she's going to be back. Um, you know, so it's, uh, there aren't a lot of open spots, right, on the Liberty. And, you know, there are some talented players that are young that are going to be tough decisions. So, um, you know, it's definitely going to be, you know, as you said, I think a recurring theme, yeah. we probably just add that in as a, a little sounder button that you just push after we talk about every team, <laughs> right? But it's going to be, uh, you know, it's the classic reminder. I don't, you know, we say 144, but I don't think there um, are going to be 144 people on the rosters opening day, right? right? Just because of the cap uh, situation and stuff. And so it's definitely going to be tight. I think that's something that we should definitely monitor is how many uh, first round picks are playing and and on rosters on uh, opening night. Agreed. It's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. I think obviously we'll know more as as training camps will fold over the next couple weeks, but it's it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, Kind of moving along in the, in this first round here, we already talked a little bit about Jasmine Walker to uh, LA, but then at number eight, Chicago takes Shyla Hill from Australia I thought was an interesting pick, but to be honest, I don't feel like I have enough background on the international prospects to know kind of. Yeah, I had to I had to cancel my scouting. I had it. Sorry, I had to uh, cancel my uh, scouting trip to Australia this year, so have not uh, gotten a chance to see her play in person yet. Um, I mean, I would have to think that um, you know, again, they are in a pretty tough cap spot, so I haven't seen. Um, whether she definitely wants to come over or not. Um, obviously, she's super talented, but I mean, because they also, I mean, I think 
perhaps even more interesting. And one player I love they picked in the second round, right, is Natasha Max. Yes. And so it's going to be dicey to keep uh, both of them as well. So, um, but, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, this guy know what they're doing, right? James Wade uh, and his staff, right? I think do a great job scouting, great exposure international. And so, um, you know, I have confidence that uh, in that, in this pick. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, there's probably a chance that Heal doesn't come over this year. Honestly, there's a chance that they pick Mack at that eighth spot. So to get her at, at 16th, I think is a really good pickup. She might be in a tough situation to actually make a roster, depending what happens with Heal and, you know, the rest of the roster, but still, still a really solid second round pickup. So interested to see how that plays out. And also going into the draft tonight, there were some rumors that this guy were looking to make a trade potentially involving Gabby Williams. That hasn't happened yet, but mm. I want you know, that could still fall in the right. coming days. So things could change coming. Yeah. I think that's a very important point, right? Is there's time for all of this to happen and uh, you know, an important rule for uh, one thing that works in the favor of these draft picks is that their salaries, even after they sign their rookie scale contracts, they don't actually count against the cap until the first day of the season. So it's not like they need room to sign, even if Natasha Mack, unfortunately, doesn't make the team at the end in kind of a numbers squeeze. Uh, they don't need to have room for her on the roster to go to training camp this year. So she's going to get a chance. She's going to compete. There's time for teams to make trades if they need to. Um, and so, you know, it is good that they, they get a shot there. Exactly. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes out, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit more movement there with some of their picks. Uh, trying to just round out the kind of the first round here. I think we already talked about Renaya Davis to Minnesota at number nine and then Stephanie Watts to well, I was say, did we talk about Renaya Davis? Um, I believe. Yeah, maybe uh, not enough. Maybe Hazy. not enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, no, I am a, a big fan of her game. Uh, you know, in our mock draft, I actually, perhaps foolishly, I guess, uh, took her second. I should have traded down in our mock draft or picked her at five or seven um, uh, for Dallas. And so I think that, uh, you know, I saw you tweeted, right? Like, I mean, did the Lynx potentially get another rookie of the year? I think that that's, uh, you know, the, the better the Lynx are, right, the smaller role she's going to have. And so, therefore, um, you know, it's harder and harder to be a rookie of the year, the better your team is. But uh, I, I thought that was a great pick. And, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of dropped. But I think we should definitely highlight that she's someone that we could look back and, you know, when we, we redraft this, maybe we should do our redraft pod for the 2017 draft next week. Uh, but when we redraft this uh, class, I think there's a, a, you know, certainly a very good job that she'll, she'll look much higher than uh, ninth. Yeah. I mean, it just seems typical of Cheryl Reeves picks over the last few years, because I think if you went back to, you know, the 2019 class with Nafisa Collier, you might redraft Nafisa as number one, but um, yeah, just a huge pickup for Minnesota, a team, in my opinion, that already kind of, they're not really fully in that title consideration, but they're definitely a team that's on the fringe of, I think Latina Robinson said this today, they're a bit of a sleeper pick for, for the, you know, to be in contention for the WNBA championship this year. And then they add a really solid piece in Davis, probably going to come off the bench for them this season, but it's just another a pro pretty pro ready player. That's a really another solid piece on their roster. Yeah, no, I think we should talk a little bit about um, 
championship aspirations or whatnot after uh we go through all the picks but um but yeah i think that uh i, I think they might why why not why can't they get that exactly i think they've got a lot of the pieces to get there so um they're one of my kind of winners from the overall offseason i want to say too i just think they picked up exactly what they needed in free agency so i'm excited to see what they need this season mm. Let's round out that first round. So we get Stephanie Watts from um, out to LA at the number 10 pick from UNC. This was, I think, one of the, another big shocker from the first round. I don't think a pick that many people had on their first round draft boards. Uh, a bit surprising. I mean, LA goes on and ends up getting Arella Garantes at number 22 in the next round. So, I mean, probably more the pick that people would have thought they would have picked there at 10 when she was still on the board. But they they still pick her up. I'm interested to see if we get any more information over the coming days of what caused her to fall. Because I think there, she's a player that in a lot of cases people had as, as a lottery pick. And she falls to 22nd, late second round. So, very interesting there. But, yeah, see- I mean, I think seems like we're all set to, you know, three or four years from now, do the story on, uh, you know, how she was a second round pick and she fell in the draft. I mean, the 30 for 30 practically writes itself, right? So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that one's, I, I feel like a developing story. I'm still interested to see kind of what comes of that because a big surprise there that she falls that far, but you get her at 22. Obviously Stephanie Watts must be someone that they had their eye on. I don't think that was on a lot of people's draft boards, but um, they, they pick her up at 10. I mean, LA is in a similar situation. I think we've probably said this about half the teams now, but not that much cap space. So it's going to still be tough for these players to make the roster, but, but definitely an interesting pick there at number 10. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one thing that um, I know that uh, our Richard Cohn asked is whether or not they're going to be able to keep both of those picks. And so if they are in a situation, you know, or if they keep them, will they have to cut someone else that we might expect um, that they, you know, everyone's expecting to stay. And so, you know, that will also be, I think when we look back on their trade at seven, um, you know, certainly how they do with both seven and 10, uh, I think will affect uh, our assessment. Will we, you know, I don't think you know, it's fun to grade the trade the day of or the next day. And it's fun to grade mm-hmm. the draft uh, right after, you know, an hour after it happened. But, you know, again, I think really we've got to wait and see how things play out over a few years to get a true assessment of uh, how things happen. Agreed. Agreed. And then moving on at 11th, Seattle takes Aaliyah Wilson from Texas A&M. I think another surprise first round pick, they take her there at 11th. I think the pick, a lot of them, a lot of people might've thought they would take at 11th. They take at 18th with Keanu Williams, who's still on the board for them there at 18. Yeah. And that worked out um, right. They trade. They traded Wilson, right, for um, yes. to Indiana, excuse me, right? So um, so if they were able to, you know, if they pulled off the classic, like made the trade and got the player we wanted later, you know, kudos to them. Yeah, exactly. And they, they trade Wilson and they get um, Kennedy Burke from Indiana as a replacement there or as, as part of that trade. So I think a big pickup pick up Burke has been pretty solid off the bench for Indiana. Excited to see what she does in Seattle. And then, yeah, you get, you still get Keanu Williams at 18th. So I think it's a pretty solid draft for them overall as well. Yeah, I'm sure. I wonder, yeah, like who had the biggest cheers in their draft rooms? They're making the picks uh, this year because <laughs> <laughs> they were that happy with how things played out for them. Yeah. 
And then to round out the first round, the Aces take Ilana Rupert from France. Um, shout out to Holly Rowe, who apparently knows French too on her resume, and <laughs> was able to conduct half of that yeah. interview in French. Um, so pretty cool to see that. And then at 14th, they also take Destiny Slocum as a backup kind of point card player. I, mm. I'm interested to see there if they expect that Repair is going to um, not come this year, but not come to next year, and that Slocum would make their roster as it as a, the backup point guard. I kind of have a feeling that could be what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you're right on there. I don't have a ton to add again. Uh, haven't done my uh, French scouting. Uh, it's not quite up to snuff this year, but next year I'll be ready to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but I do I think you're right. I, sorry. I do think you're right though, about right. The questions around who's going to play and uh, you know, who's going to come over and you know, what kind of space do they have and, and will that kind of enable them to keep everybody. But yeah, I mean, obviously everyone's excited to see how the aces look. I don't think the draft is uh, kind of essential to their outcome this season, right? So, um, but definitely good to uh, kind of keep uh, stocking the cupboard and, you know, making sure you can maintain in the long run. Yeah, for sure. I don't think we need to go pick by pick the second and third rounds here. But I think in kind of what you were saying earlier, good thing to close this out on would just be has your like view of any of these teams in terms of contending for a championship changed at all, or even contending for a playoff spot or anything like that changed at all heading into the season based on this draft? You know, I think I'm going to say no. I think again, it's super buzzy when we're starting this podcast, we just wrapped up. Um, but I think it's so hard for these players to be difference makers, especially on um, you know, teams that are really contending for the championship. So um, I don't think anything's really materially changed for me for their outlook uh, in the short term. I do think that, you know, a lot of people had a lot of questions about what Dallas would, how Dallas was going to be able to handle having all of these picks. And again, we need to see how the whole rest of the off season plays out, but they certainly did uh, better than I have in years past in uh, various fantasy uh, sports league. When you make all these crazy trades and have an unbalanced team with, you know, the equivalent of like too many centers or something in your uh, lineup. And then you have trouble extricating yourself from that and converting it into value. It seems like, you know, they're just continuing to amass talented, uh, players and so it's really exciting to think about what they could do but like you know i'm not gonna tell you that charlie collier is gonna make uh the wings suddenly have uh you know a couple of buys in the playoffs or anything like that um how about you do you, do you feel like anyone really kind of changed their outlook from your perspective not really i feel like dallas from like looking at this draft class is gonna be a lot of fun to watch does it yeah. change my opinion about how good they're gonna be no like they still just have so much young talent which is great but at some point you i think you need some experience to really perform in this league and as much as they've amassed a lot of talent i really think they did a great job in this draft i still don't know that i put them as a, a playoff team i think they i don't know they're still just lacking the experience so I don't really think definitely in the title picture, it hasn't changed anything. Um, and then as far as, you know, kind of the playoff picture too, I still, I don't know. I still feel like things kind of stand as they stand. Yeah. And I think that to me, right. Things like the, like Alicia Clark and Alyssa Thomas are like much more right. um, material to the playoffs and the championship than um, 
you know, what happened tonight is exciting uh, as tonight is, right? It's, it's an exciting period, right? And every, every team's undefeated. You know, again, everyone's uh, de- destined for uh, making the all-star game this year. Everybody's been in the, you know, in the gym, working on their shot, all that kind of stuff. So, but uh, I mean, I think we sort of talk about our outlook for the season. Like, I'm not even sure what my outlook is, to be honest, right? I think that I heard uh, Rebecca Lobo and Le- I think Rebecca Lobo or maybe it was Lachina talk about, oh no, Rebecca said, you know, there's like, well, who are your contenders? And she listed off like, well, you know, she went through like five or six teams. I think it's totally yeah. fair. I think that it's not at all clear to me that who the favorites are, right? I think that, um, you know, Vegas might kind of be the nominal, you know, my guess would be, that Vegas would be most people's favorite, right? I'm not saying they're my favorite, um, but it seems like that's likely to be what the consensus uh, will be, right? But they did lost, lose McBride. Um, you know, obviously, like, Seattle, um, not in the same place they were. Uh, Washington, not in the same place they hoped to be. Connecticut, no. Um, obviously, Chicago is super exciting, but I think it remains to, you know, everyone's buzzing there with the Candace uh Parker acquisition, but you know, it remains to be seen like just what's going to happen. I think that, you know, just as important to their future is uh, diamond to Shield, or future this year is diamond to shields. So um, I think if they all get rolling, I think they might be my favorite. I think I might've even had them in my favorite uh, last year entering uh, the bubble. Uh, so if I pick them as my favorite this year, hopefully they'll uh, end up kind of doing even better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't know what to think. I don't think there's any kind of clear cut team. And I think it's in a lot of ways, it's parallels to the college season, right? Where it just felt like there were a lot of good teams and it wasn't at all clear who was the best team. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. I think it's kind of wide open and I would also throw Minnesota into that conversation. Cause I think you look at how good they were last year with fouls, not playing a lot of the season with injuries. Yeah. So then you add back in Sylvia, Sylvia fouls, and then you add in what they picked up in free agency, they're going to be really solid as well. So yeah, I think there's like basically half the league that you can throw into that title contention conversation. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, people forget like Fowles was playing like an MVP level before she got hurt. Um, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was only like seven or eight games. Right. So, but it was, it was, you know, she just had an amazing start to her season last year. So, I mean, when you look at that lineup, right. Of Dangerfield, McBride, Collier, Dantas and Fowles. Right. So like, that's impressive powers on aerial powers in particular um coming off the bench right one of the acquisitions that you referred to earlier so um i I absolutely absolutely think they could win it all no question yeah not to overhype minnesota but you look at fouls that was playing at an mvp level before she went out and then collier that was playing probably close to an mvp (laughs) level after she went out like that's two players that they had playing at close to an mvp level so yeah i think they're definitely in the conversation for sure. Um, but yeah, I, it's just going to be a fun season. I think we're now, you know, on the countdown to the start of the season, less than a month out. So I'm just really excited to see how all these new kind of lineups look when we get them on the court and see how things stack up. Since we're mentioning the links, I will uh, tie it back. And I always enjoy um, making myself uh, feel old when I talk to you. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this make the news earlier. So uh, I'm guessing you know who Alex Rodriguez is, right? Uh, the news about yes. the Minnesota Lynx purchase. Uh, <laughs> um, I, this question, you know, it's an interesting question. How many people on the Lynx uh, roster uh, do you think know <laughs> who Alex Rodriguez is? Was there was a video Did today you see from what happened? Uh, with, yeah, the NBA, they're, they're the number one draft pick 
Yeah, uh, Anthony Edwards, right? He had he just had like no. Yeah. He was asking a press conference what his opinion was about the owner. You know, and he doesn't need to care about the ownership group, really, right? He's getting his checks, but had just no idea who uh, Alex Rodriguez is. So uh, I'm glad to hear that uh, you may be a bit younger than me, but not that much younger. Yeah, not that young. I remember when Rodriguez played for the Yankees. <laughs> exactly right. That's your connect class. But I mean, you know, we should, you know that's probably a topic for another podcast. So maybe, maybe we should close, but um, you know, certainly that's important WNBA news, not just uh, the links looking like they're going to be sold um, as part of that whole transaction there, but then the dream of course, and uh, the aces. So it's been a lot of, you know, um, Kathy Engelberg talked about that in her press conference. I'm not sure if she talked about it on, on TV today, I forget, but um, you know, just about how people are trying to invest more and more in women's basketball. And so it just seems like yet another, positive sign i hope that uh you know we're starting to see more and more um attention to the game i think tonight was a good night it's usually one of the the best nights of the season as far as interest in uh, a league and in particular wnba on the draft and so um among the many numbers that i'm going to be fascinated by are how many people watched agreed agreed i'm excited to see that number as well well thank you for joining me today Thank you. It's always great uh, to talk to you uh, about uh, women's basketball. And uh, I really appreciate uh, you kind of hosting this podcast and everybody's listening to us. uh, Well, whenever they do it tonight, tomorrow, you name it. (laughs) Well, that's all for today's episode. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us. Also, make sure you check out the stat site at herhoopstats.com. Lots of great NCAA stats on all these WNBA draft prospects that got drafted last night, as well as all your WNBA stats heading into the season and new things coming for the season as well. So keep an eye out. As a heads up, we're going to take a couple weeks off from Her Hoop Stats Unplugged between the draft and the start of the season for a, a little break, but we'll be back with the WNBA season, which is starting up or tipping off on May 14th, so just just a few weeks from now. Also, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter on Substack and following us on social media at Her Hoop Stats for all of our content between now and the start of the WNBA season. Thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.